0: Welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast, W E L L T H, the best podcast for health performance and all things self improvement. I just had an amazing interview with Eric Block. If you're watching the video, he wrote the book, The Stress Free Dentist. He also wrote the book, The Stress Free Entrepreneur. And he's starting an international academy for dental coaches. Amazing interview. We talk about burnout, imposter syndrome, therapy, and everything Eric did to move from a career of burnout to a career of success and gratitude. And he's killing it in dentistry. Eric, thank you again for doing the interview. Guys, please listen to this episode if you're feeling any form of burnout. If you're not a dentist, This is still an episode you should listen to because Eric talks about principles that transcend dentistry and are for entrepreneurship and business and life in general. Guys, thank you again. It's the health and wellness, wellness, health and wealth podcast, the best podcast you listen to. Thanks, guys.
1: So, you know, the burnout started about halfway through, maybe a little earlier, halfway through my career. Um, But then I had, you know, a bunch of time to kind of think about things, um, during the, the quarantine. And, um, that's when I started like the website and, uh, the whole stress free brand. So it was that time during the quarantine where I'm like, you know what, I got a story to share and I want to do some things other than just clinical dentistry. And that's kind of where it, where it started.
0: Okay. It's amazing. So I usually record the intros after the podcast, mm-hmm. so we'll just get rolling we have Eric Block, mm-hmm. The Stress-Free Dentist. So not all of my audience are dentists. It's like half dentists, half professionals, but this book should be called like The Stress-Free Professional. I know you have a new book coming out, The Stress-Free Entrepreneur. Yep. Is it out already or is that the, what's that?
1: It's on Kindle, but I, I keep messing up on the cover on the paperback, so probably another week or two before it's out on paperback, but it's available on Kindle.
0: Okay, I'm gonna buy it on Kindle, then on paperback. If you're a professional, you need to know Eric Block. So I wanna thank you for the courage for writing this book. What sparked it that you said, I need to get this message out to more dentists?
1: Yeah, so it was about you know halfway, maybe a little bit earlier, halfway through my career where I just felt completely burned out. I was stressed all the time. I was, I was so anxious and I was really full of regret in, choosing dentistry as as a profession and you can you know interchange the word dentistry with really any high stress profession and you know it it was really up in my noggin it was up in my head i was putting too much pressure on myself i was trying to be everything to everyone i was trying to please everybody and saying yes to everyone and it got to the point where i i couldn't wait until five o'clock to go home i couldn't wait until the weekend to decompress from the week I couldn't, I couldn't even wait until noon to get home for lunch so I could take a break for an hour. And for sure, I couldn't wait until I retired, so I wouldn't have to do this anymore. And I said to myself, you got to do something. There's no way you can you know, practice like this or work like this for the next 30 years. So I took some action. I picked up the phone. I called a the local therapist. And I'd always wanted to go through therapy because I was a psychology grad at Tulane. But I just never did it. And I finally picked up the phone, pulled the trigger, and then started to really just understand what made me tick and it was really just you know me not being comfortable in my own skin and once I started to figure things out and what made me tick then I started to not focus so much on the bad things that happened during the day I started focusing more on you know the good things and you know I used to just not be able to get rid of the day I'd be thinking about the day all night and thinking about you know the one unpleasant conversation I had or the one bad review I got or the one treatment that didn't go according to plan, and I would just focus on it. And then I started to let that go and not care as much. And that really took time with therapy and some prescribed medications. But it got to the point where I was like, you know what? There's an absence of this worry. Uh, And I felt like, you know what, if I can do this, then other dentists can do this. And you know, my story story is I feel like I'm not alone, and I felt like if I could help, you know, a few dentists out there, then it was worth sharing the story, and that's why I wrote the book.
0: It's definitely helping more than a few dentists out there. When you describe burnout, how would you describe that differently? Some like regular everyday stress from work.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's, you know, I titled the book "Stress Free Dentist," and there's, you're never not going to have stress as a dentist or a high, you know, high performing professional. It's, it's more of a, the stress won't break me type of mantra. And for a while it did break me. And it was really just me being too hard on myself. And I realized I was avoiding people. I was avoiding conversations. I was not engaging. I was, you know, I couldn't wait to, to go home and and get away from work. And I would watch and monitor treatment instead of Planning and 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 proceeding, and that was for sure a sign that you know something's going on here, and it was just building up you know over time, and you know I finally said you know this is no way to to live and you you got to enjoy your life you got to enjoy going into work, and for sure I didn't know what burnout meant until I started looking into it, and I had all the you know the classic symptoms of just you know regret anger. Um, I had depression i was full of anxiety and this just wasn't from like you know a stressful situation this was building up over time and again it was just in my head it was all me being you know me putting too much pressure on myself
0: well you mentioned in this book um stress-free dentist you said you noticed when you would watch treatment you would kind of think to yourself i don't have the energy to do this Was that physical energy or mental energy to do the treatment
1: i think it was both and i had a lot of physical pain Uh, i had a, a, a labral tear on my left shoulder and for years i had a tremendous amount of physical pain and when you're in physical pain you're also in mental pain no one's happy when they're in physical pain and this went on for years and i would avoid doing you know quadrant dentistry or or long procedures like sinus lifts or bone grafts or you know more than a few crowns because physically i i couldn't do it and also mentally i would you know just say you know what i just don't feel like doing this i'm just going to you know let's w- let's watch this filling let's let's get you back in in 6 months and i just didn't mentally feel like going through the whole process of of doing dentistry. And that was not a good sign. And I, I was able to get over my physical ailments um, from a few things that I did at work. Uh, and then once I started getting rid of my physical pain and, you know, going through the therapy and, and working on myself mentally, I was really able to get through the burnout. And I actually, you know, enjoy going to work every day. It's, 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 it's a totally different feeling.
0: So we have a mutual friend, Laura Brenner, and she talked about feeling absolute dread on sundays what would go through your mind sundays before you rolled into work on monday
1: yeah i would check the schedule and on you know sunday night i'd look at that schedule on monday and be like oh i don't want to see that patient or i don't (laughs) want to do this procedure and be dreading it and I, i would do that actually every night and you know now i don't even look at the schedule i just show up um except for you know i want to know you know if cases are back or if i have an implant coming up and that's more for Preparation for the actual procedure, but it's not a mental issue, and you know I I did that as well, uh, and it, you know my wife used to do that uh, as a teacher. She would you know dread going in on you know Monday morning, or when the summer was over, she dread going back to work. It was you know a very similar situation, but you know I I really said this you know that's not a way to live, and you can't do this for the next thirty years. So that's when I knew you know, I had to take some action and, and, uh, and I was able to get past that.
0: So one of the things you mentioned is that you don't let the worry get to, or you like, you don't worry about the bad stuff as much. What are some of the tips your therapist gave you that? Cause I would love to forget the bad stuff easy. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's really just realizing, uh, more self-confidence less self-doubt in yourself. And I used to worry, you know, why didn't that patient schedule with me? Or, you know, why did they cancel? And I'd say, you know, you know, someone please, you know, let me know what happened. What did I do? what I say? And that was just me being way too hard on myself. You're, you're not gonna please everyone. Uh, you're not gonna get 100% um, case acceptance. Some patients aren't gonna agree with what you say. Some patients are gonna give you a bad review. You're gonna have bad days and that's okay. You know why? Because guess who else has had the same situation? Every other dentist ever in the history of dentistry. And you're not alone and don't beat yourself up. And I started, you know, telling myself this and it was just, you know, over time I just stopped worrying about what people cared. And I'm not talking about, you know, like, you know, if they cared about, you know, their their treatment, I cared a lot about their, you know, patient's treatment but I didn't care if someone didn't like me or if someone didn't agree with my treatment plan or if um, there was, you know, an issue with a staff member or it was more just, you know, self-confidence in myself.
0: How did you get there? Was it self-talk You're like, Eric, don't worry about it? Was it journaling? What, I guess, actual activity did you do to stop caring about what people, the perceptions of you?
1: It, It took, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. It took a while. It was coaching, it was therapy. Um, like I mentioned, we found some a combination of prescribed medication that just really just clicked with me. And it probably took a good year before I started noticing um, some differences because I really pushed, you know, my feelings of, of anger or regret and worry deep down, and I just was pretending like everything was great. And there's only so long that you can do that. And it just started building up and, you know, eventually that balloon is going to pop. So, you know, my recommendation to any dentist or dental professional out there that is either feeling, you know, that stress or that burnout coming, or even if you don't, you know, reach out for help and, you know, better to avoid this. Um, But for sure, reaching out to a coach, a mentor, you know, for me, it was therapy, uh, peers, um, you know, whatever it takes, don't go through this journey alone. I
0: love how in your book, you have paragraph or excerpts from, is that your therapist that's talking or is that a friend that's a therapist in your book?
1: That is a, uh, a friend, um, Phil. And he, I just clicked with him. Uh, he was actually a friend's therapist and I interviewed him and I'm like, you know what? I, I got to get more out of you. There's more here. And he treats all kinds of you know, high intense professionals, you know, dentists, some of them, doctors, lawyers, um, entrepreneurs, you know, people that are in, you know, Broadway shows, that type of thing. And it's just common themes over and over. But he just had so much great insight. And I said, you know what, I got to get more out of you. So he he helped uh, contribute to the book.
0: I love it. Do you think sometimes the type of person that's attracted to dentistry is the same personality that can be crushed by the job
1: yeah you know it's you know you're a lot of it is trying to be perfect you know you want to get that perfect margin you want to you know do well and you want to please people and you know no one wants to have an uncomfortable conversation and i think this you know goes beyond just dentistry But, you know, in dentistry, we put this pressure like, you know, if we have a a broken filling or a a leaking margin or a crown that doesn't fit, it's like the end of the world. And, you know, that is just us being too hard on ourselves, you know, that there's no such thing as being a perfect dentist. And, you know, I think in in dental school, we try to be perfect. Um, You know, we we have our competency exams and we need to pass our exams and our, our national boards and get our state licensing exam and when you get out you know you can't continue on like that you know this is real world and you you're just not going to be perfect to everyone so sure i think that you know you go through school and maybe you did really well in college and you're not used to you know failing and guess what that's going to happen and it's going to happen a lot
0: i totally agree and a lot of what you learn in school dental school or otherwise it does not prepare you for the real life at all One of the things you talked about that I identified so much within your book is people pleasing. Have you always been a people pleaser?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we went really deep with this in my therapy sessions, and I I still have a therapist now, you know, a different one. And I'll, I think I'll continue on, you know, for the rest of my life with coaching or therapy, but we went deep into you know why i was doing this and it was really just me not being comfortable in my own skin and i didn't want to upset anyone so i just try to please everyone and i would take on and this would backfire i would take on cases that weren't in my comfort zone i would treat patients that you know i really didn't feel comfortable working on so i was saying yes to everyone else and really when you're saying yes to everyone else it's like saying no to yourself so when you actually do get the courage and the confidence to say, no. And I I do it politely, I'll say, hey, you know, this, this procedure, or this is a little bit out of my comfort zone, I'm gonna refer you to a colleague. It's, it's saying yes to yourself, it's a good feeling. So you you can't treat everyone, you can't please everyone. And you could do everything right. And someone may still get mad at you. And you know, that's, there's, there's no shame in that it's going to happen.
0: Isn't it ironic because I'm a chronic people pleaser myself that the more you try to people please, you end up like hurting more people, not physically, but you disappoint more people because in your book, you talked about your third day out of dental school, you tried to pull a molar on an executive and you couldn't get the tooth out. And I'm assuming that act of people pleasing ended up him liking you less at the end of the procedure.
1: So that is a crazy story. And this was actually my third day ever practicing in private practice. And it was an all Brazilian uh, practice. It was called the Brazil Dental Center. I don't think it's around anymore. And I was the only one that didn't speak Portuguese. And most of the patients didn't speak English. So the assistants would have to translate. And this patient walks in and they have a a cracked tooth. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. It's go time. I'm going to pull this tooth and I'm going to be this guy's hero. And he's going to say, "obrigado," and I'm going to be, you know, uh, a hero. And like 30 seconds in the tooth cracks and then he's having trouble breathing. And I, I'm having trouble breathing. I don't know what to do. I'm pacing and I'm like call, you know, breathe, call 911. And he, get, he gets taken to the emergency room and they literally took him out the front door on a stretcher and there was a waiting room full of people and i just said who's next and then like nothing ever happened. the next person just walked in and that patient had nowhere to go he didn't have any family or friends to call so they just brought him back to the office and he just slept for like you know five hours in one of the one of the empty operatories uh but that was you know for sure a lesson in you know you can't be a super dentist and treat everyone how
0: did you find the courage to treat that next patient that day I would have called it a day
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I should have I'm pretty good at you know kind of like a duck over water you know know, you're looks like you're gliding along but underneath the 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 little feet are paddling you know under the water and no one can see that so I I kept it together but you know for sure I'm like is this how dentistry is gonna be (laughs) you know every week is something like this gonna happen (laughs) Well, how can you last
0: thirty years in a career if you're sending one patient out the door a week to the ER?
1: Yeah, right out the front door
0: So I imagine at that time was the staff nervous to like let you see another patient or was that normal for them to see?
1: Uh, I don't there, there was nothing normal about that situation, <laughs> but I finished the day and I think I worked there for another you know few weeks maybe a month or two and um you know that was that was the end of it but you know it was more after we were just relieved that the patient was fine and you know um we chopped it up to a a learning experience
0: well i've extracted a tooth on a patient who had to go to the er as well me and you cannot be the only dentist who exists in the world that a patient has went to the hospital after treatment it's not common but it happens (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It, it, you know, it happens. People are gonna, you know, luckily it was the patient was just having a panic attack. I was having a panic attack too. (laughs) And, um, you know, he, he ended up going to the emergency room, but, um, you know, I've had patients pass out and, you know, luckily that's, you know, knock on wood, that's really all that's happened. Um, and it's scary when something like that happens, it's, it's really scary. And it, it really helps to be prepared and practice, for these situations, um, you know, have that oxygen ready, have a plan in place to call 911. But I thought, I really thought like, you know what, this is not for me. If this is is going to happen commonly, then I'm going to check out of this profession fast, but knock on wood, it hasn't you know, really happened much.
0: Thank God. And how stressful is that though? You just spent however half a million dollars in undergrad and dental school and three days in you think to yourself, I have to do something else.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, like I said before, there were some cases that I took on that, you know, really backfired on me and some patients got mad. And, you know, that even may have been worse, you know, the mental anguish that I went through. uh, And again, these were cases and patients that I should have referred out. They're probably out of my comfort zone. And I think that I put more pressure on myself and stress on myself from those types of situations.
0: So you said, and if you're willing to tell us, that'd be great. You said with your therapist, you explored why you like to people please. You don't like to, but you people please. What are some of the reasons you found out with your therapist that you tend to people please?
1: It, it was all self confidence. It okay. was a la- or I should say a lack of self confidence. Uh, I had a tremendous amount of of imposter syndrome when I first got out of school. I looked like I was twelve, you know, when I got out and. I would, I would expect the patient to question my treatment plan and, and question, you know, who is this young dentist, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and it was such a lack of confidence. And that really builds up and the way I overcame a lot of that was to get people to like me. Uh, I overcame, you know, okay, maybe they don't think I know what I'm doing. but I'm going to get them to really like me. And that's how they're going to you know, continue on to be my patient and say yes to treatment. Uh, same thing with staff, same thing with colleagues. Um, if they get, if they just like me enough, then, um, then that's, that's great. So it was, again, it was all just, it was all just up here.
0: And I feel the same way too. Um, one of the things you talk about is the fear of being sued or reported to your state board. And I think a lot of dentists think, if this person just likes me, even if treatment doesn't go perfect, I'm probably safe. And both of you know that's not true. Even if they like you, they can still sue you or send you to the board.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it really, it may take some time, but find out your comfort zone. Find out what treatments you like to do, you don't like to do, what you're good at, what you're not good at. And don't go past your comfort zone, because that's when you get into trouble. You know, you think you're helping someone, but if it doesn't go right, then it, you know, it could end up really badly for you. So know your limits, and that may take some time, you know, get out there, get trained, get educated, learn what you don't like to do and don't do it, refer it out. Um, Things that you really like to do, do them, do them well. And if you want to take on a new treatment, then learn that really good and start slow. Start on easy cases at first or patients that are really easy to work on. Um, Start with staff, start with family, um, but take things slow, especially with a new treatment.
0: I totally agree, I've heard from a mentor, it's not really the treatment you're doing, it's like the person you're working on if you wanna like try something new on someone.
1: Yeah, so we, we started, last year we started Clear Liners and this year we're starting with sleep and airway and it's you know it's it's re-energizing it's it's exciting uh to add these new treatments but you have to be careful and you have to start slow and you don't want to overwhelm your staff and you don't want to take on you know cases that are too complex so you know there's plenty of work out there you got to get yourself trained and, and educated and get yourself confident first
0: who are you doing sleep and airway with
1: so uh uh gel practice solutions um uh jen kirkham and and lane martin uh been working with um i really just started i was actually my first patient i made an appliance for myself because i have mild sleep apnea and um i did a home sleep study and i was waking up 10 times a night and snoring and i'd like the classic signs and symptoms of sleep apnea and i'm 47 so i made myself an appliance and you know it's really helped me
0: do you feel the difference then when you wear that appliance the next morning
1: yeah and my wife notices the difference because you know sometimes I fall asleep without it and I'll snore and she'll wake me up and I'll I'll put it in and once I put it in it protrudes my mandible and opens up the airway so I snore less but for sure I'm not waking up 10 times an hour like I uh, like I used to
0: I think too, maybe you'll agree sleep is like so vital in mental health and a poor night's sleep will absolutely lead to more depression and anxiety or maybe anxiety and depression leads to less sleep as well.
1: I always need my eight hours of Z's. I'm one of those people that just needs his sleep and I got a whole, I got a whole routine. I have a tempur pillow. I have my, my huggy, my leggy. Um, I got my sleep appliance. It's a, it's a whole thing, but I at least get my eight hours. Cause if I don't, then, you know, I'm, I'm not a happy camper in the morning.
0: What's a leggy. Uh,
1: I'm like, if you read, um, if you Wikipedia, like how to sleep, I'm like the textbook um, person on how to sleep. So I sleep uh, almost like uh, um, uh, in a fetal position, uh, kind of on my side. I have my tempur pillow. I got my 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 sleep appliance in and then i have a pillow between my legs uh it's like it's when you read like how to sleep that just is how i sleep and it's like that's my comfort zone
0: what time do you go to bed
1: uh i go to bed probably between eight thirty and 9 p.m
0: oh wow early okay and then you're up five or six to get your eight hours
1: yeah i'm up early and that wasn't by choice my son went through this period where he would wake up at 5 a.m and and tap my shoulder and want to go downstairs (laughs) and i also found that you know i get so much more accomplished in the morning the house is quiet i get stuff done um and i'm doing blogs or articles or webinars or writing chapters in a book uh, working on my websites and i like to get a lot of that stuff done before i go into the office or i'm working on these things in between patients uh, but at the end of the day, I try to shut it down.
0: What time do you shut it down?
1: Uh, after after a day of practicing. Um, so, like, today I'm done at about 5 o'clock, and then uh, I'll head home and, and try not to do any more.
0: Okay. That's a struggle for me. Um, I have four kids at home, and I have trouble getting home and shutting it down. Because what I regret most about my time at home is I tend to give my kids... What they call the leftovers where i'm so drained at work by the time i get home they get terrible events not happy-go-lucky dad do you find that the more you went through therapy you're able to give your kids and wife more quality time
1: actually i think that's more of my schedule at work so i i still get home and i'm a zombie sometimes and i'm more introverted so i decompress by not talking to people and just kind of being in my own headspace and just need some time and my wife gets it and she just understands me uh, and how i tick where other people are more extroverted and they get that you know the energy by re-energized by talking to people and socializing but for me i need to just kind of decompress for a bit Uh, and some days it's worse than others some days if i'm really busy at work uh, i get home and i'm just junk and um you know unfortunately that happens but you know now i'm more in control of my schedule at work so i don't get too overbooked and too busy um and that makes a huge difference by the time five o'clock rolls around
0: would your schedule look like at work
1: uh, it depends on how many assistants i have and we're going through a bit of uh, an assistant shortage right now and i think that's that's industry wide but if i have more assistance. I like to have three, if I can have three, then I can actually get more done and not be as, as tired. So I'll have a, uh, a main column and I don't overbook that main column. I have a few, you know, rock um, blocks in there where they're an hour and a half appointment of crowns or implants. Uh, and then I have in between, I have, um, some half hour or 40 minute appointments for fillings. And then on the side, I have, uh, appointments that my assistants can do, such as, you know, adjustments or night guards or scan for bleaching trays. Um, so I don't try to do too much if I don't have the help. If I just have one assistant that day, then I may just shut the day down and only accept emergencies. Uh, or if if hygiene has an opening, then I'll tell the, the front desk to not schedule anyone in a hygiene opening and have them help out my assistant. So it really depends on how many assistants I have helping me.
0: Are you the only doctor in your practice, or do you have an associate?
1: It's me, and my partner. We have two associates, uh, five hygienists, a periodontist, and an endodontist. Wow, And big practice. It's yeah, it's 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 big, and we're actually going through you know shortage. We're we're having to get temporary hygienists um, assistants, You know, we're we we can not get enough of them. And it's just you know kind of the way it is. We're going through a bit of a, a struggle with with the staffing shortage, but yeah, it's it's a fairly busy practice. We're in uh, the community, or I live here. My kids go to school here, um, so I meet patients all over, and it's just you know it, it's 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 kind of a great situation.
0: You're definitely not alone in assistant and hygienist shortage. There's also a lot of low quality hygienists out there because I'm interviewing for hygienists right now. And I know I'm millennial, but like, there's an entitlement of this generation that makes it difficult to hire a quality person there. So,
1: yeah, I think that comes with, um, you know, the, the work when you want to work, you know, the, the Uber, the DoorDash type of mentality where, you know, the, the, the employees, the workers are kind of in the driver's seat. And yeah, there is, there can be that, that, uh, type of, uh, entitlement situation.
0: So a lot with people pleasing is drawing boundaries. How are you drawing these boundaries between your patients or even your staff that allows you to be less stressed?
1: Yeah, so there's actually um, that's a great question. I used to be very guarded with my conversations with patients and I was, you know, the doctor and I'm going to come in with my white coat and I'm going to, you know, try to be scientific and speak in dental lingo. And I don't want anyone to really know my personal life, and I've totally changed that. And I am so open and uh, honest with patients, and about you know my life, and just have you know normal conversations with them. And that was so freeing to do that. I stopped you know worrying about you know what they thought of me you know personally, uh, and just opened up. Now on the staff side, I, I do absolutely keep you know, many barriers, you know, I go to work, I go home, um, don't really socialize with staff, except for when we have staff parties, and, you know, uh, staff events or office events. Um, And that used to not be the case. When I was a young dentist, I used to go out with the staff. And, you know, I I think it's really important to keep those barriers and, you know, keep your, you know, your staff and your your employees at work, and then you have your home life. And it's really good to separate those things.
0: Did something happen that made you change that perspective Were you losing the respect of your staff because you had less boundaries or why the change from more involved to less involved outside of work?
1: Yeah. And I think this goes back to me trying to be a people pleaser. I wanted to be the fun, you know, young associate, the hip guy, the cool guy, the laid back guy, the fun one. And I was single at the time and, and I would go out at night and stay out late and, you know, I look back and I really regretted doing that because these are your you know, people that you work with, and you do should you should be showing a level of leadership and authority. And I'm not talking like talking down to people, but there should be a barrier between you and the staff. And you know that's in the best interest for yourself. It's the best interest for them. It's in the best interest for the patient. Um, you want to keep everything professional and, you know, keep the focus on, on the work. And then when you go home, you know, have, you know, your own, your own home life.
0: That's so true. I younger in my career, I thought the same thing. Like if I'm easy going, if I joke around, they'll like me more and work harder for me. And that's not true at all. So do your patients or your staff know that you went through therapy?
1: You know that's a really good question, and I was going to leave you know my books out in the waiting room for patients to read. If they ask, I will bring it up. Um, but that's maybe an uncomfortable conversation that I don't want to bring up unless I'm asked. And I'll I'll go into it with someone uh, or if a patient is a therapist. But there's certain things that I don't want to talk about with patients. You know, religion, politics um you know mental health unless that conversation is brought up but i like to keep things pretty light and neutral when i'm when i'm talking to patients
0: do they are they aware of your presence online so this podcast a lot of my patients actually listen to do your patients listen to anything you put online
1: uh some you know i've brought it up and i've showed them but i don't think most uh really know what's going on in you know the world of dentistry Uh, and that's that's fine
0: i guess we're so inundated with so much content coming everywhere you can almost be anonymous to your patients and super popular in a dental niche which you are
1: so the one thing i do really like to bring up is you know the new book the stress-free entrepreneur because that really transcends dentistry and you know a lot of my patients can relate to that and i'm also writing a children's book and that is like i get way more of a positive response than that, than anything I've done. Um, So for that, I, you know, I like to share that. Um, I'm hopefully going to be publishing that in the next month or two. It's, it's taken a lot longer than I thought. Um, And that's going to be called my leftover dino nuggets. And it's all about like the quarantine and kind of a story with my daughter. And, um, but I really do enjoy talking about that, but you know, the stress-free dentist or stress-free dental implants, my second book, patients, they don't really know about, these things or uh, are aware of them. They don't really know the complexity of a dental office and what goes on, you know, kind of behind the scenes. So sure, if they ask, I'll I'll tell them about it or or bring it up online uh, for them on the computer. Uh, But most don't know.
0: You're quite the author. I know that you wrote in your book that both your mom and sister are editors.
1: Yeah, actually, both of my sisters have written books and by no means am I I was like a C-plus student in high school with writing. <laughs> I'm not gifted by any means with the pen. This is something I just got better with. And I use the tools of technology that are out there. There's there's some great grammar um, websites out there that will help you with grammar. And it's just me telling my story. And that, to me, is is is, I wouldn't say easy, but I don't think I could just come up and write a, you know, a 400 page novel or, or fiction book. Um, These are just stories or journeys or adventures that I've gone through. And I get other contributors to join in and, you know, I I take notes while I'm jogging, or if I think of something, I'll immediately say it into my iPhone and, and, and document it. And that way a thought, you know, a good thought doesn't escape me. And I've just gotten really good at that. And like anything, you know, the more you do, the better you get at it. Now I'm getting, you know, better at, at writing, actually.
0: I think you're a really good writer. This book is so easy to get through and so relatable. If you can, I'm kind of embarrassed I haven't read your other book, The Stress Free Entrepreneur. What are some of the principles that transcend dentistry and move into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, Writing my fourth book, uh, which is is going to be back to more about dentistry. But you know, in dentistry, there's it's it's a duality. There's the clinical side, and then there's the business side. And the business side of dentistry is very safe, meaning you know, there's a 99.9 percent chance that your office is going to be successful. Now, in the startup world, that is very different. Um, most startups don't succeed, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, or there's the lack of actually taking action to start a an organization or a startup. So the book is all about you know taking that next step. You know if you had an idea or a thought, and you thought this would be a great idea for a startup or a business, do it. And don't overthink it. Don't give in to self doubt. You know do it and You're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes, your your startup may completely fail and it may fail miserably. But in the startup world, uh, as an entrepreneur, that's like a badge of honor. And when you fail, you know, you get that wink from other entrepreneurs like, yep, been there, done that. I've failed, too. But in dentistry, you know, we don't fail much. We don't fail uh, on the on the business side much. Uh, so it's very different um, kind of on the, on the entrepreneurial side. Now, on the clinical side in dentistry, we don't want to fail you know, much at all because this is on a patient, you're doing treatment. Um, but on the business side, I feel like we should be taking more risks. Um, it's such a safe profession. You know, if you try a new software or a new, you know, a new um, marketing strategy or or spend some money on this or that, you know, take risks and do it. You know, the sooner in your career, the better. Uh, And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. You know, just move on and you learn from your mistakes. Uh, So that's really what the book is all about is uh, it's called The Stress-Free Entrepreneur. And it's all about not letting the stress break you. That if you become an entrepreneur, you got to be all in and you got to understand that you'll fail, you'll make mistakes, um, and that's all part of the game. So that's really what what it's about.
0: What's a risk that you took that you feel grateful that you did?
1: Oh, I think that, um, you know, starting my, my website deals for dentists um, was one of the biggest risks that I took as far as time, energy, money. And I started that over the quarantine and I look back and once that light switch went on and I started to think about, you know, seeing problems and trying to fix problems and, Trying to do things another way, and actually realizing that I can do this. And actually, when I was building my website, and building the podcast, and 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 starting the the stress free brand, I had a big whiteboard, and I would look at it every day, and it said, "You can do this." And there was plenty of times where I doubted it, and and said, "You know what? I should hang this up. Um, I'm full of self doubt. You know what am I doing? I should just be a dentist." But you know. You're gonna have you're gonna have good days. You're gonna have bad days, um, but to just keep pushing through, and eventually you'll b- break through. But it's that mindset of I can do this, and not giving into that self doubt, and also not allowing outside negative influences to get into your head. You know, keep positive people around you. Um, keep people that are giving you good positive feedback. Uh, Because people are going to bring you down. If there's negative people out there, they will bring you down. They will get into your headspace. So don't allow them to get in.
0: Why didn't you give up? Other other than saying like you can do this, there's got to be something else inside you that kept you going or like a vision.
1: Yeah, I I think that once it clicked in my head that I had the time, of course, during the quarantine to actually uh, pursue some of these endeavors. That was a major thing is actually having the time. I said, you know, I wish I had done this years ago, and it's really when you have a a side hustle or, or something other than just dentistry, it's such a great uh, distraction from the rigors of the the grind of the day of dentistry, because you can actually think about something else that you're doing. Uh, for example, if a patient cancels, I used to be all you know all upset, you know, where'd that patient go? Is a loss of production for an hour and a half. And now when a patient cancels, I'm like, you know, cool. I'll work on some of my other businesses. So I think I just really enjoyed it. And uh, I loved the, you know, the work and the time that I put into it and and the drive. And, you know, I, I wish I had done it years ago.
0: It sounds like in this pursuit, it was intrinsic motivation. You weren't thinking, I'm going to be a multimillionaire. From this, you might be, but you were thinking more. I truly enjoy doing this, and that kept you moving forward.
1: Actually, I, I'd watched so many YouTube videos on self-made millionaires that I'm like, this is going to be easy. You know, <laughs> I'm going to send on my WordPress website, and I'm going to be a, a millionaire overnight or a YouTube sensation. And you know, that quickly, that reality set in that this is a grind. You know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and start up a business. And you're going to invest money and your time and energy uh, this is you're going to grind this out and there's going to be good good days bad days um but to hang in there and you know if you love it and you really feel like you have a good uh, idea or a good passion and you're really passionate about it then you know keep on going you know we're hearing more and more
0: that the advice follow your passion is terrible advice but i think you gotta somewhat like what you're doing to keep going on those dark days would you say that you followed your passion?
1: Yeah, and that's that's a really good point. I think that if you, you know, whether it's dentistry or just business in general, if there's something you're really passionate about, you know, I say go for it. Uh, if it's something you, you really enjoy, time is going to fly by while you're doing this. Uh, if it's something you don't enjoy, then, you know, time is going to, you know, feel like it's going on forever and you're not going to, you're not, not going to be having fun. So if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you know, figure out why. And if you can figure out that, why take action, make some changes. Um, but it's, it's even sweeter when you're doing something that, you know, you're doing well at, you're good at, and you enjoy. I
0: totally agree. So how are you juggling running a huge practice, having a side business, the stress-free dentist brand and having kids in the family?
1: Yeah. So I, I, you know, I get up early. I get a lot of this work done early, I do it in between patients, the day flies by uh, because I'm just constantly doing something. Um, And then I work, I practice about three days a week, three and a half days a week. Uh, So I have time, you know, in between patients or days that I go in and I'm just doing exams, um, or I have days off, and I really just kind of focus on um, working on, you know, a few tasks during that day while I'm home. Um, I used to, you know, just go home and watch TV and that would be, you know, my day off. Um, But now I try to get as much done and be very productive. But if I'm having an off day, then I'll shut it down. You know, if this is I can't do that in clinical dentistry. But if there's an off day where I'm just not feeling it, and I'm not getting much done, then I realize that, okay, this is not a good day. Maybe I'll do something really easy, but I'm going to shut it down for the day and I'll come back tomorrow or the next week even stronger. but I get home, you know, on on days off that, you know, I can go and pick up my kids um, from school. Um, But you know, it's, it's all time management. And again, you gotta do, you gotta do it. If you love it.
0: Is an off day, like lack of focus. Is that what you mean?
1: Yes. There's just some days, you know, I'm 47 and I don't have the energy like I used to, but there's days where I'm just like, you know what? I just don't feel like doing any of this and I don't enjoy this today. And, I used to worry about that, that there was something wrong with that, or I lost my drive or lost my passion, but those days are going to happen. And typically the next day or maybe two days later, then I kind of snap out of it and I'm right back to it. Um, but it's, it's sometimes just a day and that's my body and my mind telling me, you know, take a break.
0: Well, such an important point because we talked about burnout earlier that your body will give you warning signs like Eric, you need to slow down a little bit and that's okay we we're designed to work hard and play hard. It's so
1: true. And, you know, I I have some friends that, you know, that retired or they're a little bit older and then they got bored and they're like, you know what, there's only so much golf I can play. I'm gonna get back into doing something, you know, starting up another organization. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. I I don't think I'll ever really fully retire. Um, I will from, you know, clinical dentistry for sure but I think I'll always be doing something to keep my brain sharp and um, you know, whether it's a book or, or an article or investing in a startup, I think I'll always be doing something
0: you just talking to you for the past 45 minutes. You seem like the kind of guy that loves to maximize other people's potential. And I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up on the hour mark. Tell me about this new coaching organization that you started.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's so important for people, you know, dental professionals, hygienists, dentists, assistants, admin, you know, anyone in the dental profession to have a place to go and reach out to a life coach. And a life coach is, is someone that can help you if you're feeling stuck, if you're, you know, not happy, if you want to be more fulfilled, then reach out and get help because if you're not, you know, feeling great, if you're feeling burned out, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling depressed, those problems aren't gonna go away on their own. So, I wanted a place for dental professionals to go and find coaches and match them to coaches that are, are specifically geared to understand the complexities of the dental profession. Um, you know, my therapist, when I first started going to therapy, she was awesome, but she didn't know anything about dentistry. And I would go through this long-winded conversation about, you know, a patient or the complexities of the, the the front desk, the hygienist, the assistants, and she didn't really understand, you know, what I was going through. So, the life coaches in the International Academy of Dental Life Coaches all understand what is going on in the dental profession, and it's a very unique industry. And we have hygienists, we have uh, Uh, former assistants, we have dentists, we have life coaches that are, you know, dedicated to dentistry. So we just wanted a place for and build awareness for people to go and reach that outlet to get the help that they need.
0: How does somebody become qualified? So I'm very interested, just like you are at maximizing other people's potential. How would a regular dentist like me become qualified to coach other dentists?
1: That's actually a really good question. That's going to be our phase two. Phase one right now is just getting, you know, people help and connected with a life coach that's already, you know, certified from a, another organization. But as we grow, we're going to build our own certification and for dentists or dental professionals that are looking for a career change or looking to become a life coach, we are going to train them as well. Uh, That's more phase two phase one right now is just giving people a place to go so they can get matched up with a life coach
0: great what's the timeline on phase two uh
1: I was hoping to you know have it done last year but uh you know as you can tell I like to you know pursue ideas and uh Dr Laura Brenner and I uh, have been partnering up with this iadlc.com um the International Academy of Dental Life Coaches organization and um she's really helped me to strategic and you know sometimes you got to pump the brakes focus on phase one first and then we'll go on to phase two uh, so phase two will happen where we start to uh, create our credentialing program in the next within the next year
0: that's great so before we end i always ask two questions the first question is what is one takeaway you'd want the audience to have from our conversation
1: yeah i would say you know number one if you're a young dentist to get out there and watch and observe other dentists and do it in different types of practices, whether it's urban, rural, suburban, go out there and see different styles of practices, watch other dentists work and then mold these philosophies or um, types of practices towards your own, you know, own type of practice. Um, Get out there, see what's out there and then create your own style. Um, and reach out for help, you know, whether, like I said before, whether it's a mentor, a peer, a coach, a therapist, reach out for help, do it early, do it often, because a lot of times dentists are stuck in their own little isolated bubble, especially solo practitioners. And, you know, they go to work, they go home, but then they don't reach out to any uh, peer engagement. And before you know it, you know, a, uh, a few months can go by and you haven't reached out to another dentist. Uh, same thing with hygienists, you know, reach out. Um, and it's almost like a little mini therapy session. You talk to another dentist, you like, we're just having this conversation. We just get each other and we live these parallel lives. Um, so it really just helps to get out there engage, and engage and, and network.
0: I could not agree more. Isolation will destroy your mental health. I totally agree. And the last question is, please tell us where we can find you how we can work with you, how we can buy your books.
1: Yeah, so you can search me on uh, Amazon, Eric Block. I have three books on Amazon. Uh, also, you can go to the stressfreedentist.com. Uh, also check out the iadlc.com, which is the International Academy of Dental Life Coaches. Um, check out the website, and if you're, you feel like you're, you need more, you feel like you need help, you feel like you're stuck, you feel like you're burned out, Uh, We'll get you matched up with a life coach.
0: I think every dentist needs to know you, if not read your books. People that are watching, this is Dr. Eric Block's book here. Thank you so much for doing this interview. Um, I hope we can stay in contact, and uh, I hope you have a good weekend.
1: My pleasure, man. It was a great interview, and this just flew by. So it it was great to meet you.
0: Thanks, Eric.